0: This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers.
1: Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell. On the show today, we welcome back Dr. Nathan Chomelo. He is from the Minnesota Department of Health. He's talking about the triple RSV, COVID-19, and the flu. Finance information is coming from Leibel Sternbach. Career advice from Joe McKenzie. We stop in at the Core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center. And, of course, we focus on you. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everyone. I'm Freddie Bell, and our show is underway. Joining us now is the medical director for the state of Minnesota's Medicaid and Minnesota care programs, who is also a wonderful pediatrician. Say hello to Dr. Nathan Chomolo. And doctor, there's a lot of alphabets out there for the different maladies affecting a, a lot of us. RSV, we got COVID-19 and the FLU, which everybody knows is flu. So with, a, with the RSV, why is that so bothersome right now impacting children when RSV has been around for such a long time?
2: Yeah, Freddie. Thanks for having me again. Always, always a pleasure to join you here. Uh, and so, yeah, RSV is really common. It's something that we see a lot in pediatrics, in particular. Uh, it really is uh, b- bothersome, particularly for our youngest kids. And so, typically, RSV hits kids under the age of two the hardest. And um, you know, before the COVID nineteen pandemic, there was a pretty you know routine RSV season uh, that you would expect. Uh, to see uh, kids, more kids getting sick with RSV, some kids ending up in the hospital. Um, and that would usually start kind of pretty, you know, late into the fall, early winter, um, and then kind of last into the, the early part of spring. Um, so, you know, what we saw with COVID-19 was that because of things like masking, that kids were staying home uh, and not going to school, that a lot of us were staying, you know, out of uh, really crowded spaces and, and not getting together the same, that you that first year of COVID-19 in uh, 2020 into 2021, we really didn't see uh, as many uh, RSV cases that that we typically do. And then we ended up when folks started getting back together again, more and more in the spring of 2021, we actually saw a kind of a really late RSV season. Um, Right now, what we're seeing is a pretty early RSV season. We've seen an unusually high number of RSV cases in Minnesota in particular for this time of year. And the, rise of cases, how fast we've seen them has been pretty sudden, um, more than we typically see as well.
1: So is RSV deadly for the smallest of us in Minnesota?
2: You know, it can be, uh, you know, particularly for babies who are born earlier, you know, we call preterm or were born with low birth weight or are born with um, some underlying medical condition, you know, early on in their life, RSV can be quite serious. And then we're starting to learn more too that for um, our elders uh, who also might have some underlying chronic illnesses, heart diseases, lung diseases that, you know, if they get hit with RSV, it can be pretty serious, you know, for them too. But, you know, for uh, most of folks, it, it presents as, uh, you know, a cold, sore throat, runny nose, cough. Um, it can ca- cause some wheezing and, you know, some difficulty breathing. But, you know, for most of us, you, if we get it, we are able to recover. It's just not pleasant while we're in there. Um, and then the fact that, you know, we might spread it to others take us out of work, take us out of school. Um, and what we're really seeing too, is it's really stressing our healthcare system, a system that's just, you know, been going through it these last several years Mm -hmm. with COVID-19. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we're starting to see flu come back. Uh, we've seen, you know, not only, uh, folks from our healthcare fields, you know, get COVID-19, get long COVID or, you know, die or pass away from COVID, but, uh, you know, get just burned out and and leave the profession altogether. And so, um, you know, our our capacity isn't even just kind of like physical number of beds, it's really the people power that we have. um, And then to add on another surge of uh, a new infectious disease just has has really put a strain on us. And so I think all these things coming together is really what has us worried about RSV is that, you know, uh, there are folks in our community that are susceptible to getting serious cases. But even for those that aren't, they might not be able to get you know the care that they need to help them have a a more uh, comfortable case. Um, They might not get the care that they need or the answers they need to help protect them from spreading it. Um, And and that's the real concern.
1: Everyone, we're talking with Dr. Nathan Chomlo. We're talking about the triple demic, the RSV, the flu and COVID-19. We're just about out of time. What would you say to folks who are still hesitant about taking their COVID-19 vaccinations and boosters?
2: I would say both the flu and the COVID boosters are great, great ideas. You know, we just got data out of Chile where they see um, the flu earlier in the year, and they saw that the flu shot for them decreased your risk of hospitalization by 50%. Uh, The CDC released safety data on the new bivalent booster, the Omicron-specific booster for COVID, uh, that shows that it's safe. Uh, And so really getting that as a first step. I also want to say, you know, think about masking and, you know, avoiding crowded indoors, having a plan ahead of time. You know, I went to Black Panther Wakanda forever this weekend. I was wearing a mask, you know, the whole time. Love the movie. Highly recommend it. Do it and be safe. Um, Even, you know, my kindergartner, he's wearing a mask right now in school, and we're sending him to school with a mask. And so thinking about what makes sense for you and your family to help protect uh, yourselves so that you're not bringing home this illness. You know, every week I see parents who are just tired because they've had their kids go through sickness after sickness. And with all these viruses floating out there, it's really possible that your kid could get one virus, be sick for a week or two. You be better for a couple days, get another virus, be sick. from. And so like, if you want to decrease your chances of that happening, get your shots, wear your mask, wash your hands, uh, and really try to avoid unnecessary illness.
1: Great prescription. That's Dr. Nathan Chomelo from the state of Minnesota's health department. Thanks for being with us this morning.
2: Always a pleasure, Freddie. Take care.
1: You too.
0: Minneapolis Public Housing is right now on New Beginnings with Freddie Bell.
1: Joining me now is a property manager from the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center, a role that she's had for quite some time. Say hello to Kitty Harris. Good morning and welcome to the program.
3: Good morning, Freddie. Always a pleasure to be here with you.
1: A few days ago, you had the community health fair and you have a lot of different activities. It seems like the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center is again becoming the hub, welcoming people back to the center itself.
3: Yes, we are so excited that we were able to host our um, one of our first community health fairs on last week. And now as we're getting back into the swing of things and reconnecting with our partners, we one of our um, really good partnerships that we brought back was our partnership with Mid-Minnesota Legal Aid Clinic. And so we are once again able to offer um, free legal aid clinics the second Wednesday of every month here at the center. And what that partnership does is a person can come into the center and meet with qualified legal attorneys who are volunteering their time. They are all here based out of the um, Twin Cities area. And you can get legal documents for your wills your your medical directives your health care directives, any of those things that you need for free. Um, and that's a service that we have been able to bring back here at the center.
1: That seems like that's a really big service because I'm just thinking about uh... – the billable hours and how expensive it can be to talk to an attorney. But this is at no cost to the people who come in. Do you have to uh, meet a certain income requirement or live in a certain community in order to access this?
3: Nope. This is um, free to anybody that wants to come. You just have to make an appointment um, to speak to an attorney and so that, they can kind of do a questionnaire to ask what, you um, what type of document you would be obtaining. And that way they know what to tell you to bring. And when you come in for that appointment, you leave that day with an executed document.
1: Well, wow, everybody, core McCorvey Health and Wellness Center's Kitty Harris is with us. And uh, when is this happening? And how do you register for the legal services uh, that will be provided at the center?
3: So it is the second Wednesday of every month. It's a partnership with Mid Minnesota Legal Aid. So you can call their number directly or someone can call us 612. 344-2221, and we can connect them to the appropriate person that's in charge of that service. And again, this is something that we were doing uh, many, many years here at the center. We took a break, obviously, because of COVID, but now we're able to offer this again in person here at the center. So we're very excited to be able to bring that, amongst many other things, back um, as we continue to open up more.
1: Wow. And I remember at one time there was uh, even food distribution at the Cora McCorby Health and Wellness Center.
3: Yes, we are very excited to have that back. The fourth Friday of every month, starting at 3 p.m., we um, give out free groceries to the community courtesy of one of our on-site partners, the Lau Center. And so you don't need to sign up or register for that. It's open to anyone. They can just come in and grab, um, grab a bag of rice, grab some eggs, grab some milk whatever they have available. Sometimes there's fresh produce. And again, you know, there's a, this is a food desert here where we're located and there's a lot of people experiencing food insecurities, um, not just in North Minneapolis, but throughout the state of Minnesota. So we're excited to, again, be able to offer um, just a little bit of respite for people in in the form of the food distribution, the fourth Friday of every month.
1: And you mentioned at the outset, Kitty, something about a sing out?
3: Yes, we still are having our community sing out sponsored by our on site partners here alive and kicking and that is also the second Monday of every month at one thirty p m free and open to the community, and you don't even need to know how to sing in order to join <laughs> us. It's just another engagement opportunity for people to just come and just have some fun, get some snacks, meet some new friends um and just sing some crazy songs.
1: All right. So for more information, uh, tell us how we can really connect with the Cora McCorvey Health and Wellness Center.
3: Yes. If anybody has any information about any of our community events or our on-site partners, they can give us a call at 612-344-2221, and we'll happily answer any questions they might have.
1: That's Kitty Harris. Thanks so much for being with us.
3: Thank you, Freddie. Have a great day.
1: People are talking about all of your friends and family who are traveling this holiday weekend. AAA is projecting 54 million Americans will be traveling 50 miles or more during this holiday weekend. That's the third busiest of all time. 49 million people who are traveling this week will be driving. The busiest travel days are expected to be Wednesday through Thanksgiving and the Sunday after. And we're sending out our best wishes to today's show weatherman Al Roker. The Emmy Award winner has been absent from the today's show for more than two weeks, and it was revealed that he had been hospitalized due to blood clots in his legs and his lungs. Roker is saying that he's feeling terrific, and he's got great medical care, and he is thanking his fans for their support, saying he hopes to be back on the air real soon. And if you're at the movies, you'll probably notice that Black Panther Wakanda Forever remains at the top of the box office. The Marvel sequel has brought in nearly $70 million, fresh off of the second-highest domestic debut of the year. The menu came in second, followed by the online faith-based series The Chosen, Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2. I love Disney, and it is turning back to Bob Iger as his CEO in a surprise move. The company's board of directors says he's replacing Bob Chapek, who's stepping down. In a statement, Disney says Iger is uniquely situated to lead the way during an increasing complex period of industry transformation. He's agreed to reclaim his position for two years. After spending 15 years as company CEO, Iger announced plans to retire in 2020 as he handed the reins to Chapek. And you probably have heard your family and friends talking about Taylor Swift and her fans following a ticket debacle that left many empty-handed. The ticket-selling platform tweeted out an apology following the cancellation of a public sale. Ticketmaster also released a report detailing what led to some parts of their website failing as an unprecedented amount of traffic flooded their site. This led to longer wait times as well as some fans losing tickets they selected due to passcode validation errors. Ticketmaster went on to say that in order to meet the demands seen on their website, Swift would have to put on 900 shows for the next two and a half years. Not only did that situation anger Swift, the Department of Justice says it's opening an antitrust investigation into Ticketmaster's owner, Live Nation. And if you're a Dancing with the Stars fan, in Donna Summer fashion, she has danced her last dance with Dancing with the Stars. The longtime dancer and host on the series has said her decision to leave comes as she looks to start the next phase of her career. Burke was the first pro to win twice and consecutively on the reality series, while also appearing in 25 of the show's 31 seasons. People are talking. This is a news oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature, is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast.
0: You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with
2: Freddie Bell.
1: Now's my favorite time of the program when we turn our attention to talk finance with Leibel Sternbach. Leibel is an amazing author. He is the Amazon best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Leibel, welcome back to the program. So glad to have you on New Beginnings. How are you this week?
0: I am doing fantastic. How are you today?
1: Unbelievable. Thank you so much for asking. The website, I want to get that out of the way at first because we've got a lot to get to today. It's yields and you've got some special tabs there as well.
0: Yep. We got two tabs that you're really gonna to want to look at. We have a classes tab where we have upcoming and recorded classes that you can access on retirement. So everything A to Z that you need to know as you're transitioning into and through retirement. And then we also have a resources tab where you'll have where you'll find guides and links to other websites and resources to help you on your retirement journey.
1: Let's talk about financial advisors, and until you and I met, I didn't realize that there were different types of financial advisors or counselors. Uh, A question from one of our listeners, Lania. she is asking, what type of financial advisor have you found to be the most helpful for those on the verge of retirement?
0: This is a little bit of a trick question of, you know, when we're thinking about financial advisors and retirement, there's a broad spectrum of people who can help us. And it's important to understand, you know, where each of them are coming from so that we can understand the type of, of advice that they're giving us. Um, Because each, each person who's got, you know, their perspective and their training that will influence the solutions that they find. And when we think about financial advisors, I need you to think of this analogy. To a hammer, everything is a nail, right? And that has never been truer than financial services. In financial services, we have a whole bunch of really amazing people who are super passionate about what they do. And they're super passionate about helping people. And they learn these tools and they learn, you know, some amazing tool and how it can be used in lots of amazing ways. And then they go and they try to apply it to every situation. And the thing is, is that these tools can be used in every single situation. Now, does that make it the best tool for that situation? No, but it is an amazing tool for that situation. And it can be used that way. And it has been used successfully for lots of people. But that doesn't make it the best tool. And unfortunately, the financial services industry is still, I would say, a little immature when you compare it to, when you compare it to some other industries in that we don't have standardizations of, you know, what we call things and what the different roles are of people in our industry. When you go to, you know, get your taxes done, there's basically two people that you're going to deal with. You're going to deal with a tax preparer or you're going to deal with a CPA. And those are, you know, two professions. And in order to become either one of those, there's a set process. To become a financial advisor, to call yourself a financial advisor, it doesn't take anything. In fact, in a lot of areas, it's not even a regulated term. So when you're looking at, you know, I want to find somebody to help me in retirement, you are going to find a huge spectrum of people. And what you will find is you will find on the one side uh, people who are like financial coaches. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you will have, you know, these full service boutique financial advisor wealth firms that have people working in their office that specialize in all the different specialties. Of retirement planning, um, and 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 you've got the entire gamut in between. So when we're looking for a financial advisor to help us with retirement, there, what we're really looking for is somebody who we can work with, um, who is experienced helping people transition into retirement, and then we need to go shopping because we need to know what it is that we're looking for. And we need to find somebody or maybe multiple people who can provide that solution. Um, And this is over the years, over the last, you know, 15 years or so of working with people who are transitioning into retirement. I think that I think there's a real gap missing of people who specialize in helping people do this transition and figuring out who they need to hire or do it themselves. Um, and, and I think that it's very doable to do it yourself. But I think also if you wanted to hire someone, you need to have a basic set of knowledge so that you know who you're hiring and what they're going to do. And oftentimes it means hiring multiple people.
1: So how do you find a, a good financial advisor?
0: So the, the first thing that you want to do when you're looking for a financial advisor is you want to understand how they're compensated. Because how they're compensated is going to be the biggest bias in terms of what they're going to recommend. Uh, So going back to that hammer analogy, if you are talking to an advisor who all they, the way they get compensated is by selling mutual funds. And they exist. These advisors exist who all they get paid is a commission on selling mutual funds. They are always going to find a mutual fund solution for you. Right. So you need to know that going in that this person, this recommendation you're getting is going to be mutual funds. It's kind of like going to, uh, you know, an ENT and saying my throat hurts. Well, they're going to tell you that your problem is your throat. And if you go to an allergist, they're going to tell you you're probably having an allergic reaction to the pollen. Right. Um, And so financial advisor, find out how they're compensated. Right. Find out what their education is. Because each of them will have different levels of education. Some are only licensed. And if they only have a license, that literally means that they just passed a hundred question test. So that doesn't mean that they actually have any formal training in, in your area that you need in retirement. Um, it generally means that they understand somewhat about products. Uh, so you want to find out what their education is. And then you want to find out what their values are right what's their outlook in life what what's the world view that they view the world as what's that lens because maybe they view the world differently than you mm-hmm. maybe their expectations of you know the market right i've worked with a lot of advisors who do not understand how the markets work and they view it as gambling and maybe that aligns with you or maybe that's really against everything that you believe in so you need to find an advisor who their philosophy and their approach to life matches what you want and that has the technical capability and then the actual ability to deliver, right? So you may have an advisor who you philosophically, you believe the same thing and you want you know what they say and they, they, they have the education of being able to create a great retirement plan and a great tax plan and a great investment plan. They may have all... The credentials but they're working at a firm that doesn't allow them to implement it right if you know for instance if someone works for you know a morgan stanley or an edward jones or a primerica or you know any one of these companies they're called captive companies and they restrict what solutions their advisors can sell they only let them provide solutions within their fund family, within their toolbox of solutions. And so it may be very possible that there's a better solution with a different company, but they're not allowed to recommend it. And so you want to know that that bias exists. That doesn't mean that they can't build you a great plan, but they may not be able to build you the best plan, or they may not be able to tell you that it's not the best plan. So you need to understand where those biases are, Um, and, and there are people who are completely independent, but that doesn't mean that they're not biased, right? They may be completely biased against captive people who have restrictions on them. So you just want to, you want to go with your eyes open. And I, I think I've come to the belief that you as an investor, you as the person who's hiring these people, you need to have a basic set of knowledge to be able to hire them because you need to hold them accountable. You need to know how to ask the right questions so that you know are you are you being sold something or are you being advised with you know with your best interest in mind.
1: Interesting. Do you provide a, or do you have a set of questions that a person like me could use to interview potential financial advisors?
0: So I'm actually putting that together um and I'm going to have that in my new book that I'm working on. It's called uh, the simple path to golden retirement, and in there I'm going to have an entire chapter on how to hire a financial advisor. And I'm thinking that I'm I'm going to put together a course on this. Um, so keep an eye on the website, look out for that book because that is something that's coming. How how do I hire a financial advisor? In the meantime, I did an article with LegalZoom. If you go to my website on in the news section. There is a link to an article that I did with LegalZoom that I walked through how to to hire a financial advisor. It's a pretty in-depth article. So that that would be the first starting point.
1: Interesting. We're talking with Leibel Sternbach and we're talking about financial advisors. I'm curious, is there a basic set of qualifications that any financial advisor should have, in your opinion, Leibel?
0: I I don't think so. I, I think what matters more is I think what matters more is that your philosophies match up. I think that, that their biases, that at least they're upfront about it and you know what they are. Um, I, I have, I, I've worked with and I have seen amazing, uh, amazing advisors and coaches across the entire spectrum. I, I worked with a guy who his specialty – was helping people who were in bankruptcy, well, helping people who were underwater on their mortgages. And he would get them, he would work with the bank and would get them out from being underwater and get them being financially solvent again. And he had no credentials. He was not an attorney. He, it was just something that he went through and he learned the system and he taught it to other people. And he made money in doing that um, with negotiating with the bank. But- if you looked at him as a financial advisor, you would never look at him as a financial advisor. And, in fact, the states may, you know, eventually go after him, uh, saying that he was giving investment advice without a license. But the fact is, is that he probably did more good for more people than most people with a license.
1: Thank you, Libel. We look forward to hearing from you again next week. Libel's website is yields for You. That's yields4u.com. Yields, the number four, the letter U and more New Beginnings is straight ahead. I certainly hope you're enjoying yourself this holiday weekend, and I'm just curious, what game does your family like to play when they get together for the holidays? Any of these? Uno, Party Card Game, Watch Your Mouth, Heads Up, Cards Against Humanity, Truth or Drink, Jenga, Any of these, let me know. Hit me up on freddiebell.com or also just send me an Instagram... Freddie Bell Radio. We don't believe vitamin claims, but we buy them. A survey says most Americans don't believe ads that claims its vitamins, supplements, or herbs can delay aging, but they buy these products anyway. In the survey, adults mostly believe that healthy living is the way to prolong youth. A majority thought they'd age more slowly if they exercised, didn't smoke, ate fruits and vegetables, and weren't overweight. So you've heard that Americans typically wolf down five to 7,000 calories on Thanksgiving Day. Tara Parker Pope at the New York Times was skeptical, so she cooked up a highly indulgent Thanksgiving meal, including six ounces of turkey with crispy skin, 299 calories, sausage stuffing, 310 calories, and a well-buttered dinner roll, 310 calories as well. Then came a fattening sweet potato casserole. 300 calories. Mashed with gravy and butter, 140. And a few greens and cranberry sauce, 208 calories. Dessert was killer naturally with pumpkin pie, 316, pecan pie, 503, and whipped cream, 100. But that came to just 2,486 calories. Sure, wine and a hefty breakfast could fill in the rest, but stomach size and nausea would make that a toughie. So, the five to 7,000 calories may be an exaggeration. Perhaps Parker Pope failed to take into account seconds and thirds, or the second Thanksgiving meal. You know, you eat at 2 o'clock, then you head back to the fridge a few hours later and fill a plate for the microwave. And as wacky but it's true, in Wells a group of robbers forced their way into a warehouse, carting off a load of TVs. And it was a big haul, a whole truck full. There was just one small problem. They weren't new televisions. They were defective units that were in temporary storage before being returned to the manufacturer. And here are four things that you probably didn't know stand by for an IQ upgrade. The last execution by guillotine in France happened in the same year that the first Star Wars movies came out. That was in nineteen seventy seven. Worldwide, the 560,000 tons of chewing gum are sold each year, and a word you can type on the top letter row of a standard keyboard is typewriter. And ants outnumber humans 1 million to 1. And when does old age start? How old is old? Research says that for most Americans, old age is not heralded in by a particular birthday, but rather by how a person acts. In particular, people who still shop for themselves or take care of their own household chores are less likely to be perceived as old. A study found that the ability to participate in certain activities, such as buying groceries or attending medical appointments, serve as a means of identifying whether someone is old. The research was Based on interviews with people in their late 80s, their family members, and their paid caregivers. And if you look for any sign of illness, eventually you will find one. And if you Google any of them, you will end up believing that you're moments from death. The internet is a crucial tool for anyone with health anxiety. And it turns out that those who suffer from this sort of hypochondria are more likely to develop an actual illness. A Norwegian study of more than 7,000 people found that people with health anxiety were 70% more likely to develop heart disease over 10 years than those who don't. I'm Freddie Bell, just for fun this week on New Beginnings.
0: You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell.
1: This is New Beginnings, and now we turn our attention to career, and Joe McKenzie is with us. He is the founder of Ripple Connects. He turns candidates into contenders. You can reach him by phone, 763-438-1621. Also, the website, it is rippleconnects.com. Joe McKenzie, good morning. Hello. Happy weekend to you.
4: Thank you, Freda Bell. How are you
1: today? Unbelievable, and I'm excited about this because we're turning to the pages of the book entitled "Words to the Wise," and uh, I'll uh, flip the script and ask you, where would you like to go this week?
4: Well, as I've worked with you on areas of your book, and this is a book that I keep at the ready, and you know, I turn to through it often, and, and I and I a page stood out to me, and that was being a constant state of Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. not the holiday Thanksgiving, but being, being in a state of giving thanks. And, you know, you think about how busy our world gets, so many external forces, so many potentially negative things that bear down on us just through the world of information. I, I often fall into this uh, mindset, but how does someone strive to be uh, in a thankful mindset on a daily basis when we're just bombarded with, so much information, so much negativity, so much stress in our lives. How do you strive to be in a constant state of that Thanksgiving, Freddie?
1: It's really interesting, and that's a, a really great question. And I'll answer it uh, this way. Uh, I know, well, first of all, it has to be an intentional action to be thankful. Mm-hmm. And that's, that sounds like, how could that, how could that be? Well, think about this. There is, um, their every action requires some thought typically until it becomes a habit. So my thought is, is that if you're looking to be thankful, if you want to be in a state of thankful, of thankfulness, then the key is, is to be really intentional. So a few weeks ago, I actually challenged my uh, Facebook friends to each day look for a blessing or to look for something that you can be thankful for. And rather than put it out there on social media, just keep a personal tab from that point on until Thanksgiving Day and then read back all the things that you've been thankful for over that time. Or maybe it was a blessing or maybe it was a good fortune or whatever it is that was really positive in your life. So that sets the intention. So I believe in order to be thankful and have that feeling of thanksgiving, it's important to, to set that intention and to keep track of it in order to convince yourself and for your mind to get into that thankful mode so that you can be grateful over time.
4: So what I hear you saying, Freddie, is by taking granular steps, like writing something down each day between you and your, your Word document or a, a journal, and you're intentional about thinking each day either at the beginning or at the end that you felt there's something to be thankful. For. It could be a coworker. Correct. It could be that that person that reached out to you and said, "Hey, how how is your day going?" It could be a neighbor that you know knew that you you couldn't get to your leaf cleanup this week. But just taking that granular step of writing something down and creating that that, that thankful mindset It becomes a habit, and then looking back on you know so many weeks of what you're going to be thankful. Does that does that help someone to be in that state where they they come to the point where they say, "Freddie, at the end of the day, I guess I have a lot to be thankful for."
1: Yeah, it changes the mindset because if you uh, if you've never pitched baseball before, and we're into the World Series now, so if you've never Mm -hmm. thrown a pitch from a mound you have no idea what it feels like to hold that ball in your hand and to be staring down at the the catcher and seeing the batter standing there and then winding up and throwing the ball. Well, you find out over time that there is a certain technique of throwing that ball. There's a certain way that you hold that ball, and there's a certain arm action and leg action and body action that makes that ball propel and go the however many feet to the home plate. And it's the same thing with thankfulness. Once you start the process of thinking about what has happened in your day, maybe it's the beginning, as you mentioned, maybe it's the end, maybe it's throughout the day, to take that note. And in the uh, note that I mentioned on social media, it could be on your phone, it could be on an iPad, it can be on your computer, or it can be old school, just a plain old loose-leaf notebook. You just write that down somewhere What happens is there's a transference, that's what I call it, from the actual art of writing. It imprints on your brain, and it starts to change you bit by bit, day by day. And over time, it changes your mindset. It changes your body to become a more thankful person. And you become more filled with thanksgiving. And uh, there are some benefits of doing this. I mean, over time... Uh, there's some psychological health benefits. It increases your empathy. It reduces aggression. Uh, there is more social connection. It's just amazing all the different things that happen just from that act of thinking about what it is that you're grateful for, what it is that you're thankful for, what it is that could be a blessing in your life.
4: So, you know, we talked about this some time ago, but you know that that connection between Okay, so if I am if really thankful on a, and I've seen that day in and day out, I'm thankful for this person. I'm thankful for this opportunity. I'm thankful for the ability to collaborate. You know, that, that, that it, it, it equates to, hey, I want to end the day on a high note. I want to take you know, the next 30 minutes and take a long walk and think about how I'm thankful because mm-hmm. now I'm in that mode versus I'm worrying about what's going to happen the next day. And so that mindset kind of permeates in other aspects of her life. That's what I see. You know, I'm when when I'm stressed and I and I haven't felt thankful about something, I, I'm I'm hesitant to take that walk. But when I'm feeling thankful, I'm looking forward to that opportunity or what have you. Then then I take better care of myself. I sleep better. I have better you know communication with my family and my neighborhood and my community. Absolutely. I do think uh, that really pays. You know, when you talk about that mindset and the long-term benefits, you become healthy. You, be, you become more engaged you, you, because of these simple steps that you've laid out. And uh, that's often sometimes I overlook and I, I can't be alone in that, that matter, Freddie. When we come home and we've had a, we've had a rough day and we have, we've seemingly have nothing to be thankful for, what I hear you saying, there had to be something there. And, but, we, but we also start looking for it more on an intentional basis, Right. Absolutely. Versus just letting it go by us.
1: You know, just because we're having this conversation, there's someone or several people listening today. And because we're challenging and raising the bar that says, okay, be in a constant state of Thanksgiving. That's what it says in my book, be in a constant state of Thanksgiving. And now you're a detective. You're looking for opportunities for which you can be thankful. And so now your day takes on a different hue. It takes on a different slant because now you're – you're being open. You've opened yourself up to really reflect on the day as it's unfolding so that you can see how wonderful your life really can be. And it starts to add up. And uh, as you start, it's like making a deposit in the bank. That was one today. That's one thing that I was thankful for. Oh yeah. And then there was another one as a result of that. And this thing happened over here that I hadn't planned, but yeah, yeah, I guess I am thankful for that. And then over time, things start to change for you in your life. And again, because we're raising the issue today, I challenge you, if you're a listener to this radio program, I challenge you to look for at least one thing, just one thing per day for which you're grateful, for which you're thankful, for which you call a blessing, and write it down, commit it to writing. And by the end of this month, let's just do it for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, then go back, and read what you've written. It really can change your life. Journaling is a real key, but journaling takes a lot of time. I'm just saying just do one thing each day.
4: Freddie, you've, you've given me something to think about, and with my busy schedule, <laughs> well, I, I know I'm, there's many things, blessings and things I have to be thankful for. But just giving me that simple step, that that actionable step, as we've talked about for years on New Beginnings, mm-hmm. starting a journal, write something down. I might put it on my on on a, on a board at work that says, "Okay, this is my week. Monday, these are the areas I was thankful for. Tuesday, and then at the end of the week, go. I can't wait to next week. <laughs> That's how I would view it.
1: It changes your life, Joe. We got to leave it right there. But if you like more information about being thankful or A Different Words to the Wise. The book is called Words to the Wise, and you can find it wherever books are sold. Joe McKenzie, you do some fine work at Ripple Connects, and thank you for making this segment possible.
4: My pleasure, Freddie Bell, and yes, we turn candidates into contenders at Ripple (laughs) Connects.
1: Thank you for tuning in to New Beginnings. I'm Freddie Bell. It's time for It Happened This Week. And as a reminder, you can follow us on Instagram at Freddie Bell Radio. On this day back in 1877, Thomas Edison announced the invention of the phonograph. In 1958, baseball's Hall of Famer Mel Odd died at the age of 49. In 1976, the movie Rocky, starring Sylvester Stallone, opened in theaters this week. And if you've noticed, he's making a comeback as well. In 1980, 87 people unfortunately died at the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas. Also in that same year, 83 million viewers tuned in to Dallas to find out what Who Shot J.R.? If you watch My Favorite Martian, it was in 1993 when actor Bill Bixby died of cancer at the age of 59. He was best remembered for that television show, My Favorite Martian and The Incredible Hulk. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. As New Beginnings continues, we now take you to the spirituality portion of our program where we introduce the Senior Minister of Unity South Twin Cities, the Reverend James Stacy. We now join Reverend Stacy with a program already in progress.
5: So I hope you're starting to feel. I hope you're getting as excited as I am or even more so of this wow of life that our God, our Creator is infinite. All good. There is no judgment or condemnation from the Creator. It's time to use the logic with the Creator of all things. The One who sustains this universe, is great in faithfulness, then turn around and condemn us to suffering, punish us. Does that make sense? And then when you think of the allness of God, you remember the inwardness of God. One of my favorite scriptures, I often use it in memorial services, but it comes from the 14th chapter of John. It talks about the many dwelling places, the many rooms of God's mansion or house. But I like the very first part of it where Jesus is saying to the disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. This is a pretty good start. I have days of trouble, I have days of heaviness. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about it. You believe in God, the infinite. Believe also in me, the Christ within you. That spark of divinity within you Our principle number two. This is like a spiritual pep talk. You remember those pep rallies in school? Da da, 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 da da Human beings go. Children of God live. This is unity. This is looking back to the foundation of what Jesus tried to awaken in the people of his day. You believe in the infinite. Believe in its presence in you specifically. Charles Fillmore called it in one of his great hyphenated phrases, the perfect idea of God in you. All strung together with hyphens. That was one way he tried to express this idea of the indwelling Christ. The perfect idea in the mind of God of you. Another way to say it is the infinite is singing a melody into the world that is you. Do you like that idea? That you're a song of God being sung into creation. Do whatever you have to do to catch the wowness of this reality. There is infinite possibility that sustains all that we know as the universe and all that is yet to be. All that is beyond our knowing. And we continue to see more and more. Have you seen lately those photographs from space from the new telescope? Can you say, but wow! Humanity's seeing things in space, physical things, it's never seen before. By our spiritual practice, We endeavor to see things we have never seen before that are not physical. As Jesus said, the Spirit of God has to be known spiritually. Not by physical facts, but by consciousness. Indwelling ideas of the spark of divinity at the very heart of your being. To capture that idea gives you the tools to face life with confidence, not with ego and pride, but with an assurance of what you are in truth that then logically tells you what you're capable of. Well, let's conclude by holding principle and one and two in mind at the same time to see how they relate not just as a unity teaching, but how they relate in you. We often talk about our ancestry, our DNA. You see all those commercials, maybe you've done some of that like I have to see what the big mixture is in my life, in my family. That's your human DNA or master plan. Do you spend as much time thinking about your spiritual DNA? How you've come forth from the creator of all? That's a great theme for one of those pep rallies. One, God is absolute good everywhere present. Human beings have a spark of divinity within them. The Christ spirit within. Their very essence is of of God and therefore they are also inherently good. It is here that I know my connection to spirit. Deep within, I find the peace that passes understanding. Deep within, I touch the gifts that are the indwelling Christ.
1: You just heard a message coming from the Reverend James Stacy, the Senior Minister of Unity South in the Twin Cities. More information is found at their website at UnitySouth.org. Thanks so much. If you've missed any part of our show today, just go to my webpage, FreddieBell.com, and click on the New Beginnings tab, and you can find all the podcasts from previous shows right there. And did you know that today is National Small Business Saturday? The day reminds us of the prime shopping opportunities right in our own communities. Not only do the small businesses where we work, live and play offer numerous gift-giving opportunities, they are hands-on and ready to complete your shopping list with quality, thoughtful gifts. Every year on the Saturday after Thanksgiving, the shop small movement energizes small business owners to prepare for customers in every possible way. That includes the traditional brick-and-mortar customer and the online shopper. The single-day event continues growing every year. That means business owners are ready for you to shop their stores. Small businesses feed our communities. They keep our main streets thriving and employ nearly half of the American workforce. Supporting small businesses means you're supporting your local economy, local business, tax-based schools, and infrastructure. Your holiday shopping will put food on the tables of people you know. You'll also be doing your community some good, and you'll find quality gifts to boot. Small businesses take pride in their work. They've worked hard for their dream, and it shows in their craftsmanship. Support small business. And here are today's Words to the Wise. It's simply one word this week, trust. Today's Words to the Wise, trust. You can find more information about Words to the Wise at my website, FreddieBell.com. That's our show today. Thank you for listening. Thank you for calling. Thank you for being a part of our weekend get-together. You can follow me on Twitter, at Freddie Bell, on Instagram, Freddie Bell Radio, and, of course, on Facebook, Freddie Bell Radio Shows. It's always a pleasure, and I hope you and yours are enjoying this holiday weekend. And remember this, every day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next time.